Hi, and welcome into our podcast, The Quacks, a podcast about longevity. This is the place where you can learn how to get healthy and stay healthy naturally. We're glad you joined us today. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Quacks. We're here today with all the docs uh, talking about something that's it's pretty popular in today's culture, ADHD. And actually, I just got schooled a little bit. Also, ADD, and I didn't really realize there was a difference, so let's just... Jump in right smack dab there, and, and Phil. I guess our goal we should state up front clearly is keep keep people off drugs in this case, right? Absolutely. You know, um, there's no protocol that I've ever seen. There's no um, there's no when a child gets a diagnosis of this, this alphabet soup of uh, alphabet. Um, soup of letters that they get thrown at them, you know, the ADHD, the AD, or ADD, the sensory deficit disorder, all these different things. There's no set protocol. So it's basically what it works best for the child. You know, are they going to go through some kind of um, physical therapy? Are they going to go to a speech pathologist? Are they going to work on, um, uh, you know, behavior issues? And so there's nothing out there that says, okay, this is the protocol that every child must go under. So it's really just a what can we find that works best for this child? So let me jump in there. That diagnosis, how do people diagnose that, Dr. Pat? I mean, it's, it's kind of a whole list of things, and if they hit so many of them, then you're labeled with that. Is that right? Yeah, there's not really a genetic or like a biological test that proves a kid has ADHD or ADD. It's more like a group of people that notice different symptoms. And a lot of it's inacti- or inattention. It's the big one. But then there's a hyperactivity component of the ADHD that... They're like, well, this kid can't sit still. They're fidgeting. They can't. And it's common in certain, like, developmental stages of life for kids. There's boys, girls. They have certain activity levels that they need to maintain. It's not necessarily that they're hyper, that they they just need to get that energy out. And so it's kind of like a combination of their doctor, their teachers, um, school administrators that kind of see these changes in them, and that's where they want to diagnose it. But there's no real like genetic test or biological test or anything that proves the kid has ADHD. It's more like a subjective opinion. It's like, oh, that kid's hyper. He has ADHD. And it's a lot more common to diagnose nowadays yeah. for many reasons. Dr. Adrian, obviously we have a lot of kids in all of our practices and, and sometimes this is what brings them in as uh, parents and even adults. I see that pretty commonly on our intake forms, ADHD being checked. Um, what are your insights on this? And particularly the medication side of it because that's, I know in the schools, a lot of times that's a kid's acting up, and so then you have this weird situation where now the teacher is saying you need to medicate your kid to calm him down to get him to stay in class. Where do you go with that? Well, unfortunately, you know, because these children are, are being labeled, you know, because of certain characteristics they may portray within the classroom uh, or at home, and, and the lack of, of that child's understanding of their environment, you know, plays a big role. And I think that's one thing that us docs do a good job of is really taking a good thorough history, you know, with, with the, the parent, with the patient, and finding just a better understanding of what that environment was like. What was, what was the pregnancy like? What was, what was the delivery itself? You know, what's this diet of this particular child? What is he eating? What is she putting into her body? Uh, what kind of toxins are being thrown at this individual to then it cause this child to express these these characteristics and really we we know that this is a sensory processing problem and it's either too much or too little information being uh, thrown at the brain and our job is to really find a good understanding of this child's 
environment that it's in to try to bring their body back to balance, homeostasis, uh, to make sure that their nerve system is clear uh, and, and, and balanced and not throwing too much at the brain or too little at the brain uh, just to be able to stimulate uh, a healthy nerve system. So meds really, it's unfortunate because it's just a quick fix because it's like, oh, well, this child has this, let's just throw them on medications and that isn't necessarily what the child needs. You just have to find a better understanding. But it's unfortunate because maybe the teacher doesn't have the time to be able to do those things in the classroom. But that's where it's our job. Hopefully we can educate the community to help them to find a better understanding of how chiropractic can really help manage sensory processing disorders. Definitely. And it's our sweet spot. Uh, and, and it's psychotropic drugs are what we're talking about. Dr. Phil, you served in the military. You served in the Marine Corps. And yeah. I remember hearing back when I was in school, you might have some insight in this, if a child was put on a Ritalin-type medication, they uh, could not qualify for military service. Is that still correct? I don't know if it is today, but back when I first went in the Marine Corps 20-some years ago, when you know these uh, ADHD and, and ADD were becoming more popular and kids were putting, putting on uh, Ritalin left and right, yeah, they, you know, it was considered, I believe, a class 2 narcotic. Um, and so it does mind-altering things to them. Um, the same way that um, I know firsthand that, well not firsthand, I know secondhand of people that were being tested um, in the military uh, through meth meth methamphetamines, trying to create them to stay up later at night, be able to fight longer, you know, less exhaustion. They were utilizing things to um, um, make almost like little super soldiers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's altering that chemical, that chemical balance inside the body, and that's what the Ritalin does. You know, they showed that the brain wave, uh, the brain wavelengths are the same as someone that's on an opioid like cocaine um, and so yeah Ritalin basically is a cocaine derivative yeah. and so yeah, that's just right there because you and, no, and nobody would put their kid on cocaine right I mean to treat ADHD and yet when we give it a different name and a respected guy in a white coat writes a prescription yeah, boom okay. kids it's on perfectly cocaine fine. yeah yeah so solutions you know we're not ones to just sit there and talk about the problem I think that's the problem we want to get into some practical solutions uh, because movement is everything for these kids. And let's just start, you know, I'll, I'll pick on my own son, uh, Landon, who we put into a new school this year called Acton. Um, what we started to recognize is sitting in a chair for eight hours a day uh, was not conducive to his learning. He's a brilliant kid. And, and I jokingly like to say, well, if there's kids that have an attention deficit, you know, disorder in an area of their life, well, I guarantee there's areas in that kid's life where they have a surplus of, of attention. And you've got to figure out what that is. And if you now if you can talk to that kid's values, their world opens up. And that's where we hear so many parents get frustrated. Well, they'll just sit in front of video games for six hours and, and can concentrate on that. Or when they're playing sports, they don't have an issue. And, and you have to understand it's because that's what that kid values. And, and I'm of the school of thought that instead of forcing kids into this box that school always was, there's so much technology out there now uh, with resources for how you can educate kids. I mean, the best minds in the world have their stuff online. So uh, now what's the environment that stimulates and helps that child find a purpose? And so first thing I'll just say is maybe folks, when we're talking about an adult with a job, if you're sitting at a desk for eight hours a day or a child who's having to sit in a classroom desk for eight hours a day, that alone might be the problem. And we talked a minute ago, Pat, about uh, PE, how much that helps with movement, right? Absolutely. And um, the thing is, you have to move all the time. It's not just, schools do a really good job of getting that PE, that period of the day where they get to go out 
and get their energy out, but they also have to incorporate it more actively in the classroom while learning. If they have wobble cushions, they have balls, something to sit on that they're stimulating their um, proprioceptors, they're stimulating their body and their brain, all these um, nervous system pathways, it's going to help them to retain things. Um, learning is through repetition. You have to consistently be stimulating your brain to remember things. And these pathways, they have to constantly be stimulated. You know what I mean? And movement's one of the biggest things to help learning and behavior. Um, just a few statistics with that too. We're not just talking about ADHD as a problem in kids. It's also adults. 11% of children now in the U.S. and 4.4% of adults have been given this diagnosis. And it's a lot um, more prevalent nowadays, of course, because of medication. They make billions of dollars off prescribing Ritalin, which of course, like you guys said, it's a Schedule II drug. It's the same, it's on the same level as cocaine. So it's kitty crap, kitty cocaine, but you wouldn't give it to your kids, of course, because of the name of it, but it's the same thing, you know what I mean? And there's better solutions. There's behavioral therapy, there's um, psycho, psychological therapy that's a lot more effective and proven to be a lot more effective than this actual, than medication, just numbing them, trying to stimulate parts of the brain that are they say are deficient instead of seeing the kid as just being challenged and needing to find out what's causing stress in their lives and going with that, you know what I mean? So movement is key. You have to always stay moving. Some of the best studies that are conducted on ADHD, they show that schools that incorporate movement into just their daily routines, every 15 minutes, say, of sitting and learning, they incorporate at least like 10, 15 minutes of movement. And those schools tend to perform much better academically and so many other um like tests or just different things like that. And of course, you have to incorporate different kinds of learning too. So schools that also incorporate music, sports, all different kinds of learning to stimulate both right and left side of the brains, those ones tend to perform much better as well. Yeah, definitely. That brain, friends, is a, is a windmill. Movement is what drives the energy that drives the way the brain functions. And so, yeah, a lot of, at the end of the day, it's movement. And that's what those kids are obviously craving. It's what they want to get out and do. And these are children that, there's so many different sports today too. I mean, uh, my kids dance, they play golf, they do cross country. Phil, your kids have played more traditional sports with basketball, baseball, football. There are so many options today for frisbee golf, that, that rock climbing, I mean, the list goes on and on for parkour. things. Parkour, I love that stuff. What is it? Parkour. I yep. know what it is. So for the kids that ever watch like Ninja Warriors and that kind of stuff, that's kind of like parkour. Okay. They like to run, they like to jump, they do special movements over things, Stunts, flips. It's, it's a little dangerous, but you know, I have a, a nephew who's what, four and he's out there doing <laughs> parkour already. So. <laughs> so it's just, kids need that movement, friends. And adults do too. We've talked in our posture podcast about if adults sits more than four hours a day, their life expectancy drops by 12 years. Why? It's because movement affects the, the brain. We've even talked about uh, folks at the end of their life in nursing homes versus people who are 80 or 90 or 100 who are healthy, posture. And when folks bend over and get hunched over and get that forward head posture, they're not getting that same nerve input to the brain from the spinal joints the way somebody who's nice and tall and upright does. Can you touch on that now, Dr. Adrian? Bring us in then to the chiropractic side of this. You know, we've talked about a little bit about what is ADHD. Um, I want to talk about, we talked about movement and what a tremendous help that is with children. Let's talk about chiropractic care. And I also want to touch on diet briefly because we've seen a big correlation there as well. But jump into the chiropractic side. Why would an adult or a child suffering with ADD, ADHD, consider chiropractic. How does that make sense? Sure, so chiropractic 
is essentially what we're trying to do, as I mentioned earlier, is, is, is bring the body to a state of homeostasis, find balance within this child, this individual that has, has come to our office. And with that, that's where I talked about having a good history. Sometimes we find during the, the history and exam that this, this process has, has been very difficult on the baby itself. Maybe there was uh, forceps that were used during birth, or maybe it was a C-section, or maybe the baby was breached or had the cord wrapped around itself, where that itself is actually going to put stress on the nerve system and cause misalignments in through uh, the spine, which are then going to cause this, this scattering of neurological input, this, this disorganization, as, as we all know, it's called dyspnesis, this disorganization of neurological input. So then that causes colicky babies, that causes ADHD, ADD, sensory processing disorders, all these types of things. So it's very important that we have a good thorough understanding and history of this child, this individual, so that we can know well, what may have initiated this. So that way we can check the spine and see if there is problems in the upper cervical area uh, that are subluxated, that need to remove that, that interference and stress on the nerve system. And we also use the tech in our offices. So Studies like the thermography study that we utilize are going to show high areas of just inflammation and through the neck. And we oftentimes see that down and through the gut as well. Uh, an inflammatory response because of an unhealthy diet that that child has. Maybe they're putting a lot of dairy into uh, their bodies, a lot, of, a lot of sugar. Unfortunately, with a lot of things that kids eat nowadays, it's just huge amounts of sugar. A lot of grains, a lot of those things are just very bad for that individual, that child that promotes an inflammatory response. And those things are connected. So where we bring this back is really trying to stimulate areas of the nerve system to try to bring this child back to a state of homeostasis and balance so that way it can have proper neurological input to and from the brain like the body's designed to have. Dr. Phil, uh, can you tell a little bit about, talk into the idea of, I heard it said that when a child's in fight or flight, it's like heavy metal playing in their head. And the adjustment, firing the parasympathetics. Can you talk a little bit about what am I talking about with sympathetics, parasympathetics, fight or flight, rest, digest? And then that aspect of the neurology when, when somebody with ADD is getting adjusted. So like Dr. Adrian was saying, you know, um, ADHD, we'll say ADHD, it is an overstimulation or understimulation of the body. And so when these kids um, are being overstimulated, it's like... Have you ever had a tag in your shirt and it keeps scratching on your back? Mm-hmm. It's like that irritants. So that irritants might be, you know, the, the socks on their feet. It might be the clothes that they're wearing. It's, it's like someone's clicking a pin. They hear every click inside the room. They hear every word that somebody's saying. And it's just like sensory overload for these kids. And so that's what it's like, like I'm saying Metallica um, on 10, trying to back up your car. If you've ever done that, you're like, all right, I turn the radio down because I can't focus. I can't concentrate. And that's what makes it so difficult. And so, you know, when a child's supposed to be in this growth period where they're supposed to be developing their immune system, their, their bone structures, um, you know, that's what we call the parasympathetic side, right? The rest, digest, the healing side of our um, autom- autonomic um, nervous system, how it functions. But for these kids, they're living in this constant fight or flight. Their blood pressure is through the roof, um, or, or their cortisol levels are going up high. They're having that tension in their muscles. Um, it's just so hard for them to focus. And so when they're supposed to be growing and thriving, they're living on this other side that's all about survival. And you can't be on the survival, that sympathetic response, and still continue to grow physically, emotionally, um, you know, just develop overall. And that is the beauty of the chiropractic adjustment 
all she talks to this doctor pet all that movement all that motion is stimulating nerve pathways friends that stimulate and take a person out of that fight or flight stress response and start to stimulate it's like hitting the gas it's like hitting the brake pedal rather when when heavy metals playing it's like gas is down all the time you just got to start hitting the brake and pull these kids give them a chance to get out of that fight or flight mode exercise helps do that uh, what stimulates neurological pathways and lights up the brain even more so, and that's what we've learned with science in recent years in research inside of the chiropractic adjustment, we're lighting up the nerve endings in the spine and we're stimulating the brain. So instead of an outside-in approach of a drug, like a cocaine derivative trying to stimulate the brain, we're letting from the inside out the nerve pathways when a child gets adjusted. And that's why we see kids that get adjusted have such tremendous benefits. I want to loop back, Dr. Pat, to put a bow tie on this, if you have anything additional to add from a therapeutic standpoint. Also, we didn't go much. Dr. Adrian touched on inflammation. We should touch on that just a little more because it's diet. And basically, the bottom line, friends, carbohydrate raises insulin, which raises inflammation. And for a child whose brain is already firing and stimulating, uh, it can really help by removing inflammatory foods. Uh, so I, I don't mean to throw all that at you, Dr. Pat, but what do you thought? <laughs> One of the big things too that Dr. Phil touched on a lot was just that stress response that kids are always stuck in. When you're stuck in a stress response, you're not developing certain areas or connections in your brain that are vital for normal functions. One of the big things that kids develop over time is self-regulation. So that's the ability to be able to control their energy or use it for good processes instead of just bad things, you know what I mean? And self-regulation is very difficult to do, and this diagnosis is horrible because they get them into this cycle where they're being medicated. That's one of the things, too. It's going to affect their brain chemistry where it even slows that self-regulation process even more. So this diagnosis is really tough on kids because over their lifetimes, most people that are put on Ritalin or Adderall, they're never taken off of it. And as adults, they just like, oh, I have a deficit in my brain. There's a It's not so much a challenge that I can't overcome. It's more so like my brain's not working right so over time, they just think like, hey, I do these behaviors because my brain forces me to, you know what I mean? It's not something that they think they can overcome. So it's just a really bad cycle. And teens or kids that are diagnosed tend to have problems later on. They develop other behavioral um, disorders or dysfunctions, and it's just a really bad thing to go through. So again, movement is the key, though. And that's what chiropractic stimulates the most, um, stimulating the proprioceptors that are very prevalent or very high in volume in your muscle spindles and the joints. And that's going to really stimulate these good pathways to the brain to form these synapses, connections, to really balance the left and right side of the brains together. And when you have good balance together on those two sides of the brain, that's when you thrive. You know what I mean? You really help to learn different functions. You have to be really creative. You have to take on all the capabilities that your brain is, um, yeah, that it has, that you're born with, of course. But you just maybe not get to because of certain disabilities over time. What about, uh, I'll throw it up to the diet side with you, Dr. Adrian, and then we'll wrap up with Dr. Phil. A little bit more on the diet inflammation. What should kids and families be eating who have this challenge? What should they not be eating? Well, the big thing that we really want to reduce is just a high amount of, of sugars, uh, especially starting the day. You don't want to just give your kid a bowl of cereal. Uh, those cereals, if we really just take the time to read the labels and look at the labels, there's extreme amounts of of sugar. Uh, then you give them, you know, obviously the cereal with dairy, and that's bad for the body itself. And then we give them a glass of orange juice with is is filled with sugar in there as well. So, you know, the, the most important meal of the day obviously is breakfast. And if we start that with nothing but sugar, 
that's not ideal for that child. And then we're sending them off to school where yeah, they're going to be hyper and then they're going to be labeled. So uh, the biggest thing that we can really do is really minimize the sugar content, the dairy, uh, and reduce the grains and really give these individuals, just give them a better chance to start their day and a better chance at life early on, you know, with the first meal. Uh, aside from just all these other things, it, it just like Dr. Allen mentioned, it produces inflammation through the body, which then begins to affect the adrenal glands, uh, which then raises up cortisol uh, and puts our body in this fight-flight response like Dr. Phil talked about. So that's why it really is one of the most important things that we can get a good history uh, from day one to really understand what this child is putting into their body, what these people are putting into their body uh, that are probably promoting inflammation and just making a uh, body unable to really thrive because of what's being put in it. Bad fuel, you know, is, is not ideal for, for the body, nor for a car. We wouldn't put bad fuel in our car because that would begin to affect the automobile uh, as well have bad long-term effects. So uh, essentially, we really want to take a look at our kid's diet and really begin to make changes so that way we can give this, this child, this individual, a better chance. Cookie crisp comes to mind. I mean, it's literally cookies. <laughs> but it's breakfast. It's okay, right? I mean, that's kind of, I think, epitomizes cereal to the highest end. Uh, Dr. Phil, I'm going to have you wrap it up, but what do you feed your kids in the morning? Uh, if you're not, that's what to avoid, obviously. So what kind of fuel do you put in their bodies to start the day? Um, well, unfortunately, my grandmother gets up every morning with our children and... Um, makes them breakfast and prays with them and goes through Bible lessons. So every morning she gets up and makes something. She always asks me, well, can I make this? And so like the big thing for our kids is like for them to have French toast. Cause I mean, we're having, you know, syrup and we're having bread and it's something we don't even have in the house. So, but our kids usually have eggs, they'll have bacon, uh, they'll have a protein shake. We like protein in the house. We feel that we start our day with protein and fat and leave out the carbohydrates and sugars. But, you know, I want to go back to, and close this out real quick. Um, you know, whenever your child's diagnosed with this, you know, there's different levels of it. And if you're at the level where this is literally tearing apart your family and you're struggling with it, you know, I understand, you know, drugs seem like a great option, but why don't you give it a second thought and, you know, bring your child in, let us check them out. You know, there's so much information. We could go on all day and talk about this stuff today and really not give you all the information that you need. But if you come in the office, we sit down, we take a great history. There's a pattern. We see this pattern like Dr. Adrian's talking about with these children. If we find it in the history, you know, mom's had 42 ultrasounds because there's a problem, you know, uh, before the baby was born. The baby had colic. They had, you know, there were forceps and all these different things. There's always a pattern that we see that leads to this problem. And if we can remove that interference that we're talking about, if we can remove the, the thing that's causing the increase, that increase in stimulation or that decrease in, in nerve function, there's a great chance we can help your child and we can give, maybe share some parenting tips that with you that can make it change your life because we've seen this. We've, you know, there's been hundreds of kids that come through our office and we've been able to help with these things, type of things. Awesome, Dr. Phil. And for those of you listening out of state and around the world, there are pediatric chiropractors in almost every city. So, you know, you can always contact us and we can help you out or just Google that. Uh, and then last thing, I might have been remiss, fish oil, omega-3 essential fatty acid. That's always been my family's secret weapon. When our kids are grouchy and cranky in the morning, they get a spoonful of omega-3s and it's fascinating how fast they calm down and they just, it's a basic nutrient. Anyone who has even slight challenge with, challenges with ADHD, and even if you're healthy, because we need healthy fats and omega-3s are the healthiest source, 
I really recommend a nice, pure, clean fish oil. So on that note, I uh, hope that was of help. Please share this with your friends and family. Uh, we don't need more medicated kids. We need kids that are reaching their full potential and, and becoming the person and fulfilling the purpose that they're designed to be here with. So on that note, thanks for listening in for another episode of The Quacks. We'll catch you around next time. Thank you for joining us today on The Quacks, the podcast about longevity. Be sure to tune into our next show. Have an amazing, healthy, blessed, abundant week.